We're going to be uh, finishing up our Colossians series today. Um, Hidden Treasures is what we've called this sermon series, and we're going to be in Colossians 4. And I won't have time to go over the full chapter. And so when I was praying through this, I, I kind of just was picking things out of chapter 4, really just the first few verses that, that stood out, and we're going to really drill into that for the, the amount of time that we have. But let's pray, shall we, before we, we jump into the Word of God. Father, we just want to glorify you right now. Well, let this not be about any one person, but really just about you and all your glory and who you are as our God, as our King, as our Lord. Lord, really uh, decrease me and, and us right now that we can be in a place to increase you. Greater in our lives, more prominent in our lives, preeminent in our lives. Lord, to put you first before everything else. Lord, before all of the, tr- the trials, the struggles, the things that are going on in our lives, Lord, we want to put you first right now in your name, the name of Jesus Christ in which all knee will bow and who created all things in heaven and on earth. Amen. Okay. Well, who's ever attempted something that was w- well above their head or over their head? Has ever tried to tackle something that was too difficult or just way beyond your scope? I have a a story I want to share with you before I I dive into the Word of God to kind of correlate with that. So in between my my semesters when I was in college in Moab, I would do some odd jobs for people. And and being the pastor's kid, I had a lot of ins with a lot of people. And one summer, I was able to to get hired on at an RV park one of the very camp parks there that you see in Moab, one of the very many. And I was pulling weeds and doing a lot of odd jobs. I liked it because I could listen to my podcasts and no one really talked to me. And uh, one day my boss came to me and he said, have you ever uh, built a picnic bench before? And at this time in my life, I, I was very much a people pleaser and I wanted to do a good job. And this was a, a good friend of mine and we were very competitive. We were actually, uh, he was a, uh, uh, one of, he was almost an amateur road biker and I was starting to get in road biker. So I, I didn't want to say no. I was like, yeah, of course I can, I can build a, I can, I can build a picnic bench and I have zero carpentry skills whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> zero. And so I, I took the job and I said, yeah, no problem. I mean, I didn't even know what a table saw was at this point. I, I mean, I walked in there like, you know, I was hands on, like that was my, that was my expertise at this point. And uh, so I had all these power tools, and I was well over my head. Well, it took me three days to build one picnic table. Three days. I mean, I worked like eight-hour days in the, in the hot summer, you know, Moab summer heat. And I think my boss was a little worried at this point because we had about 50 to make during the summer. And I had taken about three days to take one. And I'm pretty sure it, it, you would need some sugar packets under that one even, right? It was, it was not a good thing, but I learned the more I, I built one, the faster I got. And so by the time I was probably a week or two in, I was busting these things out once a day and they were getting better and they were, they were actually uh, sittable and you could eat at them. The first one, I'm pretty sure they, they probably scrapped, but I learned a lot. Of, I learned how to use my tools. I learned how to use a power saw. And uh, it was one of those, those summers where I look back and it was like, man, I, I really learned something that day. 
And I think that what I, and really what I want to say through this story is the more that we do something, the more effective we become. The more confident we get in our abilities to do it. Would you agree with that? I think we can see that in a lot of different places. But I was persistent and I was devoted to making these picnic benches. I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to, to, to be devoted to the craft of finishing these and finishing them well. And the Bible teaches that our prayer life also becomes more effective when we devote and are persistent in speaking with God. When we, do, when we are devoted and persistent in speaking with God. And that's what I want to talk about today. And the key passage we're going to look at is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. So if you want to look at that, you can tap or turn to that in your Bibles. But I want to look at what three characteristics of what a person or a people of prayer look like. And that's what I named this message, people of prayer, and that we need to be people of prayer as the Adventure Church. We need to be known for, for being people of prayer. It is essential not only to our own lives, but to the advancement of the kingdom that we do our fighting in prayer. One of my professors in, in seminary said, and you may, may agree or not agree with this, but he said, God does nothing in ministry apart from prayer. God does nothing in ministry apart from prayer. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Especially when I stepped into ministry, I realized how completely and utterly helpless I am. And how over my head I am every single day. And that prayer to me has become the, the staple of my life. And when I don't, and I'm not disciplined in it, and I don't spend time with God, it reflects that. So let's dive into the, the key verse today. Let me read it for you. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may, be op- may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what I really want to do is camp in that first verse. I'm going to camp in in verse 2 there. We're going to see how verse 2 really trickles down through the rest of the the passage. But there's three characteristics that Paul mentions in this. He mentions devotion or persistence. He mentions being watchful and then being thankful. So we're going to look at these three in particular and we're going to drill into those. So the first one, be persistent or devoted. The Greek word there actually can also mean perseverant. Having a perseverance in prayer. How many times have you gone through life and you go through seasons where you feel like, man, I can pray all day, and there's seasons where it's a struggle. It's like pulling teeth to even spend time with God. Has anybody else been there? I've been there many, many times. In fact, I'd say I'm in a season right now where it's pulling teeth sometimes to actually find the time to pray. But there's a link between being persistent in prayer and our faith. There was a a link in being persistent in prayer in our faith. It really shows us who or what you're putting your dependence on. So when we are weak in our prayer life and we, we lack that, we are looking at our own selves for strength 
or we're looking to other things for strength. We become dependent on other things, devoted to other things. It's so simple to be devoted and look to others and say, I need you instead of needing God. Or I need to get better at what I'm doing rather than being dependent upon God. And prayer and persistence puts our dependence upon God and not on other things. So are you looking to yourself when you're doing these things? Are you looking to yourself in, in your particular spheres of influence? Are you not seeing God open doors to the message of Jesus Christ in your, in, in your sphere of influences area because you're dependent on, I need to know more. I need to understand scripture better before I can even say anything. Or are you dependent on God opening doors and giving you the words to which you will say? Second Chronicles 16.9 is a great uh, example of, of how God works through being dependent upon him. He says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. To strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him in a persistent prayer life says, I am committed to him fully and God will give the strength to that person. You can imagine God looking over all creation and seeking out those people who are fully committed to him and empowering those people, strengthening those people because they're looking to him for everything. And a devoted, persistent prayer life has that. We are in constant request to to God because we need constant remembrance where our help comes from. Psalms 121, 2 through 4 says this, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There is huge, impactful empowerment that comes from living a life fully devoted in a prayer life and committed to God. Because our help doesn't come from anyone else greater than God himself. Now I'm going to see in a minute how we help each other, but we need to first understand that the first person, the first thing we go to, the first being in which we reach is God in our prayer life and be fully devoted to him, which is Paul is talking about here. And it really blows my mind when you think about it. I mean, think about the power that we have access to. We have the access to the king of kings, And Lord of lords, he gave access to you as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ that that we have that ability to do so. That we can go to him with every little problem, every little hurt, every little celebration, every exciting thing and be devoted to that and persistent in that. So we bring everything to him. Because devotion and prayer creates in us a stronger faith a more dependent faith, which is what that is. Where does your hope come from? Where does your your faith come from? Where does your trust come from? I think of it a lot as as working out, as building muscle. Similar to that, you, you, you may not see the results of prayer right away. You know, if I was to go and just lift a, f- a few dumbbells, is it dumbbells? <laughs> you can tell I do it a lot. Um, if I was to go grab a few dumbbells and, and just do one workout today, you, you, would, you wouldn't see any effect of it. 
if I was to do one of those pictures and compare, you know, before and after, and I said, well, this one was doing five-pound dumbbells once, once a week, and this one was, it'd be the same person. I, would, I wouldn't change, right? Well, with prayer, what we see is our greater dependence upon faith the more that we spend time in prayer. That your life will reflect this time and devotion and persistence. That the constant prayer for people, you're going to see things open up. You're going to see your life more seasoned with salt, as we see in verse 6. It's going to taste better. Your life is. Your, people are going to look at it and, and want it to be a, a preservance to the rest of, of their life and to the life of the people who know you. It builds you up. Sometimes you do see prayer right away answered. And that's, that's always a huge, exciting thing. And it never has to be, or it doesn't always have to be this this, oh, I, I, I'm on my knees praying in this dark room every night. God understands even the whispers on your, when you're just in need and when speaking. And, and one of his favorite prayers he loves to answer is to open messages or open hearts to the message of Jesus Christ. In my experience, that is, that is his favorite prayer to answer. I remember one story. This is one of those moments, again, where you look back and you're just, it blows your mind that God, like you prayed a prayer and God heard you. Like he heard me. I was, uh, it, I was back when we were living in, in Draper and uh, we were living in our apartment complex and I was sitting on the porch with, with Amy, my wife, and I hadn't really like sat down and prayed about it, but I was just sitting there and I'm like, man, I really wish, I really wish we would get a knock on the door like today or tomorrow from, from some LDS missionaries. I'm like, man, that would just be, I want that to happen. I felt really good. I was like, oh, I, like I, want to, I want to have some, some conversation. I didn't want to go look for it. I wanted it to come to me. Which Utah, this is it's pretty simple. Well, that night I sat down on the couch to, to probably watch something on TV. And I, I think I just turned the TV on. I mean, we probably had this conversation 10 minutes before. I sat down on the couch, watched TV, and I heard... And I went, no way. <laughs> I looked at Amy. I was like, there's, there's no way. I mean, people don't knock, right? Like, that's usually only people who it is. Like, the, the, the Amazon guys or your elders missionaries. And I opened the door, and, and there we had a couple of elders. And I think me and Amy were just like, whoa. You know, like, and those poor guys, they didn't know. Um, yeah, and we had a great conversation. I was able to just just spill the gospel all over them. Um, and I, I remember just, and I remember closing the door as they left. I remember just thinking, can you believe that? Cause we didn't like call them. We didn't do anything. They just showed up. And I was, I remember thinking like that, that, that's a prayer God likes to answer. I mean, he did that one right away. So we must be persistent in prayer because it gives us these opportunities to flex our faith muscles. Right? We see commitment, we see character, we see hope developed in our persistence for prayer. Remember, I think we all have those few people in our lives where we like to continually pray for them. I have my two best friends in, in, that I grew up with do not know the Lord. And it always confuses me because I spend so much time praying for them. And I get to see other people come to Christ for the first time. I'm like, why not these guys? And it's just built this character of hope and persistence 
of seeing these, my two best friends come to Christ. It's developed in me a character, a deeper faith, and a hope. And then I think about my own family. If you guys know my story, I, I, was, I, like to call, I was a prodigal son. I was saved at a young age as a you know, the pastor's kid, grew up in the church, went out into the world in college and left, uh, left God. It kind of suppressed him a little bit. He knew he was there, but I didn't want to, didn't want to talk about him. I de- openly denied him. Got into a lot of really bad stuff. But I'll tell you now, the prayers of my parents, my mother and my father every day, I believe is what brought me back. It wasn't, we didn't have any deep conversations. My parents, you know, they knew what was going on. But their prayers every single day for five years, I believe, brought me back. And brought me into the community back, or brought me back into the community of Christ. When I think about persistence too, remember the words of Jesus in Luke 18, 7 through 9. He's, he's speaking of the parable of the persistent widow. He says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And Jesus is talking about a constant persistence in going to him. How much more will he hear the cries of our heart? Will we have the faith to meet him? Will we have the faith to continually, persistently, and devotedly pray to him and seek him, put him first above everything else? You know, Jesus challenges us to, to match our persistent prayers with our faith. To match our persistent and devoted prayers with our faith. Did we give up praying for our lost friends and neighbors? Have we, have we let that go? Are we over, in over our heads? Does it look like we're, we're trying to build a picnic bench for the first time and we can't do it? Or are we constantly praying for, trying to, to find those open windows and those open doors? I could give you more and more stories of how God has done that in my life. Have we stopped praying for our cities, our counties, our communities? Do we... Do we pray for those persistently devoted to God, believing that he can reach them, that he can, he can change the culture that we live in? Persistent prayers for Utah is how we're going to see power of God work in our lives. So don't give up. I was meeting with a couple of young, well, I'm a young guy, but young pastors, younger than me, who had moved out from Tennessee into, to, to, to Lehigh and They'd been out about a little over a year, year and a half, and they looked tired. They looked pretty, like they'd been through the ringer. And we we were just talking, and we were trying to kind of logist, you know, kind of programize some of the things and how do we reach people? How do you know? We were just kind of just brainstorming together, and we ended up just kind of stopping because we realized, boy, we we're just not on our faces for these people. We are, we are all about trying to build programs and outreaches and, and, and trying to, to get in front of people that way, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but we're missing the first step, which is we're not really on our faces for these people. I mean, they were, they were exhausted. They hadn't seen one person saved in a year and a half. So difficult it is here. I mean, there's a couple of Tennessee guys that were, had no idea what was happening. I mean, they were like, we're, we're giving the same message. We don't know what else to do. 
and we realize, wow, we just need to be on our faces more and praying that God will open these doors. Same as, as Paul says, pray for us too, that, we, that God may open doors for our message. And that God may open doors for our message. So we must be persistent and devoted to that. Pray for open doors for our message. And then we, the second part, we must be watchful. We must be watchful. The Greek word literally means stay awake. We must stay awake. And I don't think he's meaning you just fall asleep when you're praying, which I've done that. I think we probably, I mean, the disciples did that. I don't feel too bad if they did it too. But I do, I think it actually means being more vigilant, alert. People of prayer are vigilant and alert. They're watchful for what's around them. I think he means more in the sense of being on guard against temptation and being watchful over our corporate body as we pray. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says this, Watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That, that sums up a lot of my prayer life. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is using Peter's drowsiness to make a point. Be watchful and alert in your prayers. So watchful means always being aware of the possibilities of temptation, sensitive to the subtleties, and spiritually equipped to fight. Are you spiritually equipped to fight? In every season in or out, when you're suffering, when life is good, I tell you, right now, your Utah Cane Brothers and Sisters are in a season of, of, of suffering. We're in a, a precipice of a new time, and we feel like the, the Israelites, like Joshua's time, looking into Canaan and going, when are we going to go? That's how it feels. Like we're on the, the verge of something. And boy, we, we, we need your prayers more than, now more than ever. We need you watchful and vigilant and alert for us in Utah County. There's 20 to 30 people down there who are desperate for prayer. Of your people who need your prayer. Because again, going back to temptation, it will always strike where we are most vulnerable. And where we are most vulnerable. And you know where your vulnerabilities usually lie. You know the things that are, are going to, to flip the switch. And that's where you spend time praying. Spend time taking those vulnerabilities to God. Take those insecurities to God, the past sins, the things that you feel like are struggling to break. Take those to God. Because nowhere else it's going to be broken. There's nowhere else where it's going to be freed from that. It's going to be found in your time and relationship with God. You know, and, and when Amy and I are talking and we're struggling, we're having a miscommunication or, or an argument or anything like that, it doesn't help if we don't talk to each other. Okay, that makes it worse. You start to become assuming of things and then past fights turn into new fights and you re- things come up and it, it never really heals. In our prayer life, there's times where we have to take everything to God because we're in that relationship with him. Take everything to him. Give him your sorrow. Give him your pain. A lot of times we, we feel like we just have to say all the good things that are going on. And tried to be over thankful. And it's, it's inauthentic. God wants authenticity. 
He wants your hurts. He wants your joys. He wants your excitement. He wants your, your sadness and your exhaustion. We have a place we can go. We are vigilant, not only for ourselves, but also for others. We can't resist alone. I love that, that the, the, the Christian walk is not meant to be around a lone ranger. You are a community of believers. The church has always been about a community of peoples and assembly in the name of Jesus. So prayer is essential in keeping us vigilant in our walk with Christ among our friends and, and brothers and sisters in the body. Too often I feel like the Christians are the first ones to eat their young. When really the Christians are the ones who should be most devoted to prayer for each other. But we know our flesh is weak and therefore we must spend time in our spiritual relationship with God. Because God's power can shore up our defenses against the attacks of the enemy. Boy, I know when my prayer life is weak, I feel like I have a lot of chinks in my armor. The things of the past are, are, are more prevalent today. The, the stresses at work become even greater. You're just hungry. That's how I can kind of, you're just, you're hungry. You're starving. That's why the devotion part is so important, but to also be aware, be watchful, be vigilant, be alert of the things that are around you. Live in the now. So we must be on watch not only for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters around us, but for our communities and for our people. So we pray for each other in real time. That's something I've learned coming through the, the adventures. We pray for people in real time. We don't, we don't, we don't wait because we'll forget. I forget all the time. Pray for people in real time. When you see somebody, a brother, sister, man, I'm really struggling. Pray for them right there, right then and there. I've had some really uncomfortable conversations in conference rooms at work because of that. Because there's a brother, sister who's there and they need prayer. And some people are kind of looking at us like, what's going on? So we are a flock of sheep. We must watch over each other and protect each other. And, and that's how the Bible really describes us. We're a bunch of sheep under a shepherd. And if you ever watch a, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a shepherd myself, but I've seen a lot of movies where sheep move together in a flock, right? But that outlier sheep is the one the wolves are going to target. And I can't tell many times I've sat in somebody's living room and tried to counsel them and they've separated themselves from the body of Christ and they are just getting tore up. It's because they've isolated themselves. We must come together so that we can be alert and vigilant and aware of what's going on in each other's lives so we can pray for each other. So we pray for one another to overcome temptation and being more devoted to God. You know, this, this being watchful really shows the importance of, of community in the body of Christ. And, and a passage that's been on my heart a lot lately is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It reads, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So how are you spurring one another on toward love and good deeds within the community? And where are your habits? Are your habits built within meeting together, within prayer, praying for each other, or are they in other areas? Are we encouraging each other through prayer? Are we holding each other up in prayer? Are we watchful and vigilant and alert for each other? Because we have to have each other's back. So don't isolate yourself from the body of Christ. 
We all need each other to be watchful and in praying for one another. Can you guys, can you guys say a prayer for me this week? Can you guys do that? Can you take that step? Just one prayer. Pray for us in Utah County and be devoted to praying and putting God first. The third part, be thankful. Be thankful. So a Christian's prayer is saturated with thankfulness because we have an eternal perspective. We don't live in the temporary. We live in the eternal perspective. Therefore, we are eternally grateful and thankful for the things that are happening. Even sometimes that it sucks because life sucks sometimes, I know. But we are in awe that the God, that the God creator of everything that has been created knows us and has saved us by grace. Again, that's hard to even comprehend. The being that created everything that's ever existed, that will ever exist, knows you personally, knows me personally, knows my weaknesses and my strengths. The only response to that is to fall on our faces and be thankful. Because we didn't add anything to it. We didn't do anything but mess it up. Our desires, our wants have created in us a sinful nature. We were, well, we were created with that. We were responding to the sinful nature that's in us. And God is the one who thankfully pulled us out of that. So that is why Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 6, 16 through 18. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Say it with me. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Say that with me. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks for all circumstances. We have a lot to be thankful for. Everything we have is a gift. The Christian understands this and is perpetually thankful and joyful over that. Doesn't mean you can't be sad. We don't want inauthenticity. We want authentic joy because you understand the eternal perspective. Our minds are set on heaven, the things of heaven. Not in this world. We have something beyond comprehension to look forward to. Death doesn't have anything on us. Sin has nothing on us. It's like oil and water. It slides right off. Can everyone take a deep breath? That was a gift. The very breath we take is a gift. We have thankfulness just for that. <sighs> and we look at the cross. I almost looked over there. I think it's over there now. <laughs> look at the cross. Do you have something to be thankful for? That was grace. 
Be thankful for the fact that we didn't have to pay that ourselves. That we're not going to be judged by the things that we've done because of that. That's an eternal perspective. Another thing that we could be thankful for is that we have access to a mighty God. Can I get can I get two volunteers? Someone who's willing to hold up something? Probably not kids, sorry kids. You already had your chances. Someone in the back? Yeah, come on up. Cynthia, you want to come up? I want to do a little demonstration for you to show you the the magnitude of of what God has done with us, done for us, and that we can be thankful for. I have this old blanket that I brought. Make sure I do it the right way here. All right, you guys want to stand over here? Spread spread that out. So in the Old Testament, there was a a place called the most holy of places in the temple, the tabernacle. And blocking that from the rest of it was a veil or a curtain. And it separated the sinner from God. And only once a year, on the Day of Atonement, could the high priest walk through the veil the curtain, into the most holy and actually do a sacrifice which paid for the sins of Israel for that year. The problem is they had to do it every year. It never was an everlasting payment. But we we have thankful for, just held there for a minute, what we can be thankful for, however, is that we have a God who came in Jesus Christ. And you know what he did? When he died on the cross, see if I did this, see if I can lift my weights here. What he did when he died on the cross in Mark, it talks about when he actually died, this veil was torn. Amen. From the top down, which now this gives us an amazing access to walk into the most holy of holies. That we can walk into the throne room of God because it's been, the sinner debt has been paid by what Jesus Christ has done. That in him, he took every sin, past, present, and future, became the very curse of sin on the cross, and was crushed for all of us. completely crushed because of what we did, not because of what he did. And in doing so, imputed to us, he gave us all of his righteousness so that we could walk through into the holies, the most holy of holies, into the very temple, into the very center and throne room of God. And that we can bend the knee and and pray to him and that he'll hear us. That's a, that's a whopper of a notion. Thanks, you guys. Can. Yeah, give him a hand. 
So we have much to be thankful for. We have much to be thankful for. Hebrews 9, 14 through 15 says this, The blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleansed our consciousness from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So again, you have much to be thankful for. So when you're in prayer, be thankful for what God has done. That he took the sins of our lives and he gave us a righteousness that is beyond our own grasp. But he gave it to us as a gift through our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Can you stand for me? Before we jump into the baptisms. No, second service. Forgot what time it was. I think it's important that we respond to this. We need to respond to these, these messages and the things God pulls from his word. I think that we pull from God's word. If you're somebody who has never been able to respond, to, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, I want to give you that opportunity. So we must confess it with our mouth. We must speak it. That Jesus is Lord. If you haven't confessed that, you haven't been able to to reap the the beauty of what happened on the cross, I want to give you that opportunity. So if you're one who hasn't, and you'd like to, you say, I want to receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand so we can respond with you. And for the rest of us, where does your faith, or where is your faith placed? Is it in yourself? Is it in other people? Are you fully committed to the Lord? Does he look upon your life and say, that's someone I'm going to strengthen. That's someone who is devoted to me completely. That's someone who is watchful, vigilant, and alert over the body of Christ. That's somebody who is thankful in every single way for the things I have done for him. Today is the day that we make ourselves, are a people of prayer, devote ourselves to prayer, devote ourselves to being watchful, devote ourselves to being thankful for everything we have as a gift. I want you to respond if, if that's you and you say, this, today is the day, today is a new day to start this. And I want an authentic start. I don't want to, uh, I'm just going to try harder, Kelly. Okay. I want an authentic, yes, I'm going to own this. This is going to be my life. I'm going to be known as a person of prayer. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Adventure Church, we are people of prayer. We do our fights in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for tearing the veil. Thank you for what you did on the cross. That you sent us the perfect sacrifice in Jesus. That he took everything we've ever done 
and will do. And he paid for it. And in return, we get the free gift of righteousness, justification before you. That we will stand before you clean. And Lord, I pray you use that. That's just the beginning. Next, as we go and impact this world, open the doors for people to hear this message so that we can reveal the mysteries of Jesus Christ, the the gospel itself to those who are in desperate need of it. Our neighbors, our communities, our friends, our families. Lord, open doors, open windows that we will know that we need to step through them. Clear and concise and be able to do it effectively. Lord, give us the words that we need. Give us the boldness that we'll need because we are devoted and committed to you. You will strengthen us to do so. Lord, we are dependent upon you completely. Help us reprioritize our life if there's things before you. Lord, we want to be a branch of the vine to which apart from you, we can do nothing. We must be a part of you and you alone. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for this sermon series and these hidden treasures that we've been able to pull from Colossians. I pray we're able to use them and apply them every day. In your glorious name, Jesus Christ, amen.